Uh, just let me carry on a minute about the, uh, the presentation uh, before. There was reference made to the uh, secret rapture. Reference made to the secret rapture. I, my conviction is that the secret rapture is probably one of the most deadly of the heresies. And it, and it came on in, in, in our lifetime. Now, as was brought out, uh, Rivera and I think there's a lady named McDonald, that, that they were the ones that kind of birthed it. But it comes into our lives by uh, the late great planet Earth with Hal Lindsey, and then the Left Behind series. And I remember when I was a young man that, uh, shall I say, everybody believed that Jesus was coming in the clouds and that every eye would see him. But this uh, secret rapture has killed that. What's it going to do? It's going to mean there'll be a group who are persecuting the people of God, thinking they're doing the will of God. Because if they were supposed to be here, or they wouldn't be here, and so they're doing what they think is the, the will of God. I, I, I was on a shuttle bus, and there was a man, he was reading some of the uh, Left Behind series, and a lady who was there, they, they were discussing it. And, uh, and I said to one of them, just out of the blue, I said, you know, the thing about the secret rapture that uh, worries me is that, uh, is that it uh, has Jesus coming two times. And she said, I know, but I don't want to be here for the tribulation. This is the one that sets up for the Sunday law. And it's here and it's all around us and it's almost become universal. Now what I'm going to do, I'm giving you a little what I call warm-ups. So I can say things in a warm-up that I wouldn't dare say in a sermon. Because they'd get me in and I'd have to be running out the door. Anyway, the, uh, some churches, you know, bless their hearts, when they, uh, they're so proud of their church. So you know, our church is so blessed. We have a lawyer, a millionaire, and a genius. And, and I want to say, listen, don't forget, Jesus was a journeyman carpenter. Don't forget that. And I've said about the, to the church members, if you're somebody on the outside, you walk in here, you're a nobody. And if you're a nobody outside, you work in here, you're somebody. We're all children of God, and we've got to remember that. What I'm going to do is ask you a favor or invite you. You know, people will come to meetings like this and they'll go home and they'll say, you should have been at a camp meeting. It was life-changing. I'll never forget it. And, uh, you know, our friend with whom we're talking, our relative, he says, what's it about? I really don't remember, but it was really great. But anyway, isn't that the way it works? So I'm going to ask you or invite you, because I'm going to say a lot of things and you're going to hear a lot of sermons. At least in my sermons, listen for two things. Just two. I can say, now memorize the whole thing. No, just two. So that if somebody asks you, what did Dick speak of? You'll say, well, he spoke about this man. And that sounds right, doesn't it? I've also learned that a sermon is no better than the needs we have in our lives at that particular time. Not that the people won't appreciate it or be blessed by it, but the person who's more blessed is the person who said, 
what a blessing that was for me. I needed that. So I, I, I'm kind of warming up. Are you ready for me to get a little tighter? Is it you that has such a beautiful voice? I heard somebody behind me singing with beautiful. Anyway, listen now, come on. If you don't think for yourself, others will do your thinking for you. What does the Spirit of the Lord say? Don't be, be thinkers and not merely reflectors of other men's thoughts. Unfortunately, we don't do it that way. We're, we're thinking what others have thought. It'll take us down the wrong road. Here, here's another one. There are questions that have only wrong answers. Remember they did that with Jesus. Do you, do, do you believe this or this, they'll say to you. And say neither, because the real answer is probably something else. So don't forget this. Somebody says to you, do you believe this or this? He's setting you up. Because the, the, tri the, the trap is in the question. So when people say to me, do you believe this or that? Uh, I say neither. He who asks the questions controls the agenda. Here's another one. Are, are these good points? J Jim, then write them down. Don't just sit there looking sleepy. He and I went to the academy together. It's so good to be with him again. Don't try to answer every question that comes to mind. Test the premise of the question before you try to answer. I think that I can get questions in my mind that if I follow it through and try to answer it, I could lose my faith. And you know when it's winter time and the lake is freezing over, it freezes over from the, from the outside, Put your foot on that ice, and if it's not really frozen over, it'll dunk you. And that can happen in spiritual things. Test the premise. See if it holds you up. If it does, then take another step. This is critical to us. Here's another one. The devil now speaks our language. If you take over the language of your enemy, you make it impossible for him to communicate his ideology. Should I say that again? Yes. The devil now speaks our language. If you take over the language of your enemy, you make it impossible for him to communicate his ideology. One word he's taken over is the word grace. Grace easily becomes a blanket to hide sin. Are we saved by grace? Yes. But the kind of grace they might be talking about is a kind that we aren't. Another word he's taken over is the word love. Listen, how can you say, I, I saw two, two dogs making love, homosexual lovers, I love apple pie, and God is love. The devil has taken over the word love. Another word he's taken over is the word acceptance. Watch out for that word that God accepts us the way we are. No, he doesn't. Hang on to this. He receives us the way we are. When the prodigal son comes home, does his dad accept him the way he is? No. He smells like a pig. 
He gives them a bath and puts new clothes on. Does Jesus accept us the way we are? No, because he's going to give us a robe of righteousness and change our hearts. Does that make sense to you? This is part of the warm-up. Is it good? Is it all right? What did I just say? She's just laughing. What's that? Was it all right? Okay, here, here's another one. Science, people are saying, proves the Bible. When you hear that, that's putting science above the Bible. The basis for confidence is faith and love alone. I'm ready to go. Now what I'm going to do, I'm going to talk today about marriage, but I'm going to lead into it with a little bit of talk about the homosexual business, because this is whirling all around us. Unless we relate to this in a certain way, it catches us, though it doesn't mean we're going to be homosexual. There were two institutions established at creation. What are they? The Sabbath and marriage. Of course, you know if somebody, uh, well, you've read the text in Genesis 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish, the sea, and the fowls of the air, over the cattle all over the earth. Aren't you glad that uh, when we get to heaven, we're not going to have to kill to eat? You know, I like that. Although I, I can remember when I was a boy, they said if you didn't eat meat, you weren't going to make it because you couldn't get enough protein. You remember those days? Now to be a vegan or a vegetarian, when you do, you say that, you're in, you're on the top of the bottom. Anyway, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. If somebody asks you about the homosexual business and, and, and so forth, tell them to go to this, these texts. If somebody asks you about homosexuality and that it could be right, just say, read Genesis. He made them male and female. He told them to, to multiply, and you can't get that out of men and women together or lesbians. You know, you know I, I think that sometimes that we go into too much explanation. The answers to the big questions these days are simple. And sometimes when we're asked a question, we can uh, do better to ask, ask another one. If somebody asks you, now of course you know these things already. That is Romans 1 takes care of the homosexual business. Have you read the Romans 1 that part? where it lists them with horrible things. It says it's, it's one of the worst sins and that those who persist in it will be lost. You know, I learned this just the other day. Get this. To me, this is powerful. People these days are saying that a homosexual or a lesbian, they're born that way. See, that's the end thing. Yes, I know that I shouldn't do it, but it, I was born that way. What am I going to do? I, I like this. Every man, hang on, fellas, is born 
with a propensity to adultery. Am I right on that? Every man has a propensity to adultery. But he doesn't go to adultery for Jesus' sake. Are you with me on that? When we say a homosexual is born that way, he's born perhaps with a propensity to being a homosexual. But because of Jesus, he doesn't practice it. When I heard that, I thought, that's good. Because that pretty well pulls the rug on born that way. We're born with a tendency toward adultery. We don't practice for Jesus' sake. You can be born with a propensity to homosexuality, but you don't practice for Jesus' sake. Anyway, I feel, I feel good about that. The thing that uh, about us, you'd say, why are you saying these things to us? Because we live in an, an environment now that surrounds us with homosexuality and the lesbian. The problem we can have is to, is to actually lose our conscience. In other words, we get to the place where we recognize it, particularly this being born. And so when we live in this environment, it's possible that we soak it in, not to become homosexuals ourselves, but to live in the environment that... I want to mention that baby crying if I can. You know, when I see a little baby or a little child, I remember Jesus. See, see we see Jesus in a manger, and we see him in, on the cross or in the temple or wherever. But he was like this, probably crying in his mother's arms. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, my land. Anyway, we have adultery now, fornication. We have living together. I'm not telling you anything. Once we accept the lifestyle and the practicing of homosexuality as the baseline for adultery, on fornication, they cease to be issues and we lose the ability between right and wrong. These things, in fact, we hear this word all the time. We hear these words all the time. Another thing, this is my opinion and I hear others express it. The next, I say the next because we've gone through a, a when I say it through, this women's ordination, uh, I've given up on that. And uh, in fact, when they really began to grind, I said, it's time to move on to higher ground. You see, when they begin to wrestle and we see how it's going to turn out, they go someplace else. Because the message is bigger than any one of us little issues. The, the gospel, by the way, is this big and not that big. I think it's critical that we, that we know that. Anyway, now I, I didn't preach a sermon on women's ordination. I just said, and others are saying that the next thing is going to be homosexuality in the church. In other words, they'll come to church and they'll want to be church members. Have you heard that? This is supposed to be the next one. And uh, the word that's going to be used to cover that it's going to be the word compassion. Have you heard that also? We've got to be compassionate. Like acceptance, like compassion is like acceptance. Accept us the way we are. Have compassion. You know, compassion is a nice thing. I have some problems, physical problems. 
And uh, I pray, of course, I would like for the Lord to heal me. And he hasn't. And so I said, Lord, I'll pray for a healing. But if I don't get it, listen close. I want you to give me a spirit of compassion. And then if you're not going to heal me, give me strength. There's no temptation or trial, but he'll weigh, he'll give us an escape to carry us out. But, and by the way, he is giving me compassion. And I, I, I was telling somebody yesterday, when I would see a, a blind person before, I, I don't misunderstand me, I, I would look, but I wouldn't feel anything. If I saw a person in a wheelchair, I would look, but I wouldn't feel anything. But now when I see a blind person or a person in a wheelchair, I feel it because I'm part of it. And the Lord wants to give us all compassion because you can get pretty used to things that are, that are just, in the eyes of God, they're awful. We can become compassionate to homosexuals. Listen, you've heard this before, that the church is not a rest home for saints, if you heard that one, but a hospital for sinners. I, I, I didn't understand that for several years. I thought it meant if you want to sin, come to church. Doesn't it kind of sound that way? Anyway, I, I got to thinking about that and I thought, well, what that means is hospital is where you go to get well. So a person who doesn't, who wants to live in sin with impunity shouldn't go to church because you go to church to get well. Does that make sense to you? I think this is critical to know that. Now, by the way, let me say something about sin, about going to church to get well. I've even heard it since I've been here. Some people say, talk, use the word perfection. You use that word once in a while. Listen, if we were perfect, we wouldn't know it. Who decides who's perfect? God does, but it's, we don't want to be like the fellow that says, I haven't sinned in eight days. Who describes perfection? God himself. So we can't say, well, you know, I became perfect. When just the minute you see it, you're out of the loop. So I like to think that we're pressing on toward the mark. That's what Paul said. I press on toward the mark of the high calling of Christ in Christ Jesus. Would you mind if I took just a little bit of water? Who will tell me what I've said so far? Just a couple things that popped out in your mind. You, you didn't catch on, right? Just one thing. What popped out for you, son? Uh, the book of Romans, chapter 1. All right. About that, that'll take care of that. Somebody, uh, uh, in other words, Romans 1 takes care of the... Uh, legitimacy of the homosexual lifestyle. What else did I say? Now, these weren't hooked. You see what I I just ran things past you. Yes. I think so. Anybody else hear anything that they liked? Yes, ma'am. You said that if you wouldn't be healed, that you would pray that he would give you a compassion. Yeah, and he is. I thank him for that. I'm going to have to hold off the healing for later. By the way, I've told some of you, I'll, I'll be over there in just a minute. 
I was getting a cataract surgery. If any of you old people like me had a cataract surgery, you have. I was laying on the operating table and joking around, you know, you joke around, laughing with the doctors and the nurses. You know, I think we ought to smile when we can. Smile when we can. And I'm, I, listen, I'm laying on the operating table and, uh, and I say to them, when, am I, when are you going to put me to sleep? They said, we already have. <laughs> Seriously. And, and this gave me lots of hope in the resurrection. <laughs> in other words, no breaks. No breaks. I had been put to sleep and awakened not knowing that I was asleep. And that made me think of the coming of Jesus. In fact, it's almost like we're born, we're born, and the next thing at the end is the coming of Jesus with our lives in between, with, with, without breaking the consciousness. Doesn't that feel good? I, I was blessed by that. Anyway, uh, I'm going to talk about marriage, because that's what David told me to talk about. And now, when we talk about marriage, usually we, uh, it's usually something like how to be sexy at 75, or make you, how, to, how to make your honeymoon last. But let somebody else do that. Marriage is a spiritual condition. It's a spiritual condition. Did you see my wife Betty yet? She's nice looking, isn't she? She and I met each other when we were about 16 or 17. And, uh, and we got married when I was 19. And we have our birthday on the same day. Uh, September 16, you might want to put that in the paper. So we get lots of cards. But uh, anyway, you might say, Dick, what's the, uh, what right do you have? What's your authority to talk about marriage? Well, 55 years? Will you kind of grandfather me in? 55 years. Now, you know, once in a while when I'm speaking, I, I'll mention that. And people will clap. I'll say, don't clap. I promise till death do us part. Smile or something. All right. It's true, isn't it? Yes. Till death do us part. I was talking to Roger Hatch. Or was it you, Roger, or someone else? I said, we don't realize when we say, I do. Do you promise to love, honor, and cherish in sickness and in death till death do us part? One of us is going to be a, a widow, or one's going to be a widower. This is, this is why the coming of Jesus is our only hope. Somebody said, who was about my age, 75, listen, I'm not going to be alive when Jesus comes. Give me a break. I mean, if you know what I'm saying. In fact, well, then we quote Mrs. White and said, well, she said some will be laid to rest. Well, I'm going down anyway. It's, it's, scripture says it's appointed to a man wants to die. There's a young man over here sitting over here on my left. I was checking uh, his birth certificate before I came. It has a uh, uh, expiration date, son. Don't we all? This is why the coming of Jesus is our only hope. It's our only hope. In fact, I thought to myself, the coming of Jesus is near, near for me. 
I don't have to wait for the Sunday law. I'm not going to be there. But you might. But anyway. In other words, let's realize that life is precarious, but that we have this hope that burns within our hearts, and that's hope in the coming of the Lord. You, you know, uh, one of the most important texts in a marriage to me is uh, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You heard that one? You know what that one means? Listen to me close. Don't go to sleep mad. Now you might want to note some of these because 50% of our marriages are breaking up and that includes the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And, and you know, I thought to myself, a person who has the, the Holy Spirit in their lives can't get a divorce even if he tries. Because you can only get a divorce if you're mad from one day to the next. So when it says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, that takes care of that. Betty and I have been married how long? How old was I when I got married? 19. Betty and I, have, she, she told me the other day, she did, I used the word, Betty and I have only had about six or seven fights. She said, don't say that, they'll think you mean this. But you know what I mean when I say arguments that went from one day to the next. You know what I've, what I've discovered? I've discovered that my relationship with Betty is connected with my relationship with God. So a person who wants to come to, to, to a church and be a nice guy and go home and be a, you know what I'm talking about, then shut your mouth. A person that has Jesus in their heart are nice wherever they go. You know, I wrote the, the mission quarterly when it was uh, the Holy Spirit. Remember that? I, I hadn't realized it before. We talk about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what the gospel does to you when you have it in your life. By the way, thinking of the fruit of the Spirit, I was in a Sabbath school class one time and the teacher said, Let's pray for the outpouring of the Spirit. I said, it is out being outpoured. Pray that you'll get in on it. It's true. The Holy Spirit is being poured out everywhere. And if you're not feeling your, feeling your life change, if you're not experiencing the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit in your life, then go back to go and don't collect $200 and that's the way it is. Please understand this. Our homes are not breaking up for no good reason. When we're having the things that we're having in our lives and in the church, it's because we are not receiving and exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. And you can't have just one of them. And another thing that I've learned, when you get to be as old as I am, you learn some stuff. This, this young man over here who's in charge, you notice how I call you young? When you get to be this old, everybody's young. My oldest daughter, she's 52 or 53. When I heard she was that old, I said, Cindy, you're catching up with us. I said, if you keep doing like that, we'll be the only parents with children older than we are. But anyway, don't go to sleep. Oh, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is connected. 
You don't have just one, you have them all. Now you're growing. We, we never get to the place where we've arrived at the fruit of the Spirit. We're growing. Understand that. The Christian life is a growing experience. We never arrive. In the, in the, maybe in our eyes we do, but in Jesus' eyes we are growing, a growing experience. Don't you like that? You know, I'm beginning to realize when you're 75 that Jesus is nice. He's kind. Always nice and kind. Sometimes we're nice and kind, but then we're mad and nasty in the next breath. And I just love Jesus more and more. You know, too, our kind, we're, we're conservatives, that we'll see ourselves saved and lost, saved and lost all day. Well, I ate a pickle this morning. I, I'm lost. And, but now I've got some soy milk. I'm saved. You understand what I'm saying? No, no. Our names are in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's where they're at. And they stay that way until the judgment. So we don't need to feel like, that, that, uh, in fact, doesn't Mrs. White say that it's, not, it's the occasional one? The, the power of God is to stop and break the power of sin with impunity. The person who lives in sin and enjoys it is the person who's messed up. He's lost. But our names are hidden with God in Christ. We conservatives need to understand that. Because our attitude many times is not, shall I say, positive. It's on a trip that, that doesn't seem to be going anywhere. I, I was telling somebody, I'm going to proceed with this marriage thing in a minute. Uh, I forgot what I was telling them. You know, what's that? Huh? Oh, yeah, because I've thought to myself, I can preach and so could other preachers. We can preach sermons that crush you, makes you feel so guilty, you feel like you've got one foot in hell. And I thought to myself, when I preach, and I haven't preached yet, I'm just talking to you like your grandfather. When you preach, you must give hope. Many of us conservatives, we like to be kicked. You know, like people say, tell it like it is. Well, they don't really mean that because they wear steel-toed shoes. Tell me like it is as long as I agree with it. We must, as, as, as uh, conservatives, we must have hope. We have this hope that's in our hearts, hope in the coming of the Lord. One time uh, I came home from work, and Betty was, uh, was in the uh, family room sitting on the couch. And I noticed that her eyes were red and she'd been crying. And I uh, said to her, Betty, what's wrong? She said, baby cake died. Baby cake was our parakeet. It was yellow and gray. And it could talk, it could talk. It would say, hello, my name is Baby Cake. I'm a silly bird. Happy Sabbath. It was an Adventist. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Well, anyway, uh, we came home that day. Apparently, Betty got home, and the bird was on the 
floor of the cage with his feet in the air. And uh, Betty was crying. I went into my study and turned on my computer. You know, if you have any questions about anything, Google knows the answer. In fact, Google will guess your question. If you can put in one word, it'll get the rest of them many, many times. Anyway, I, I, I put in something that went like uh, parakeet lifespan. And I hit the button, and I said, I shouted, you know, from the study to the living room, how old was baby cake? And she, she I called back, eight years, nine, nine years. And I said, it says they're only supposed to live eight years. We got an extra year. And you know, I thought to myself, now listen closely to this. I thought, who cares if it had a thousand years? What I should, what I should have done, rather than to, you know, to set Betty straight on how old you are, I should have comforted her. I was only trying to encourage you, but I wasn't. When you see somebody sad, don't encourage them until you comfort them. I was on an airplane not that long ago. And I was sitting next to a guy, and, uh, and he said, four months ago, my wife died. I don't want to live. Now, I, you know what I wanted, to, I wanted to say to him? A year from now, it'll, it'll be all right. Isn't that what they say in cycles? I, I don't know. But if I had said that to him, it's like saying, in a year from now, you'll forget about it. You know, just... And then I realized that, that even though that was my knee jerk to encourage him, a year from now, you won't be hurting so bad. I realized that if I said that, that's like saying, hey, don't take it so seriously. So don't forget what I'm saying. Before you encourage somebody, comfort them. So what else, what have I said about marriage? Comfort. Uh, I've also said don't go to, don't go to bed oh, mad. I was uh, sitting in my office one time, and uh, you know sometimes when we're in the office, we just, we're just, what are you doing? I don't know. Tapping away again. And Betty came to the door and uh, she started talking to me and talking to me and talking to me. Talking. I, I wanted to say to her, Does this story have an end? <laughs> and uh, you know, you know, fellas, that's the way we are. Get to the point. You know, what you're trying to say. You just tell me and I'll take care of that. But look at this. Isn't that right, Jim? Just talk it on. And, and you know what I realized? I realized that, that Betty was only sharing her life with me. For us men, snuggling is sharing your life. For, but for a woman, it's spending some time with her. And and and. and, and and that's where it's at. Just spend some time with me. Listen to what I'm about to say. Betty can tell you a story, drive you crazy. She'll tell you what you were wearing 15 years ago and where you were going and all. 
And I'm just going, oh, I don't, rem I don't remember the name of my grandchildren, much less where I was 15 years ago. One time I was praying uh, for our grandchildren to live, they lived down the road. And I came to the place for our grandchildren. I forgot their names. Did you ever forget somebody's name? I didn't know what to say, so I just said, Lord, bless the little children down the road. <laughs> Betty hasn't uh, let me uh, forget that. Uh, one day I was uh, riding along in a car. Does what happened to me so far, does it happen to any of you? No. Just do something about it and we won't be in trouble at home. Anyway, one day I was, I was uh, driving along in the car, Betty was there. And I, I, I said, would you be happy if, I, happy if I dropped dead? And she looked at me, just like you're looking at me like, what are you talking about? Now, I know that if I died, Betty would cry. I know that. In fact, what I didn't want to happen was this. I dropped dead. I'm free. You get what I'm talking about. I'm free. You know what I, I decided to let her free, be free now. While, while I'm still alive. Amen. Set her, that's good. Set her free now so that she can be what God meant for her to be. You know, uh, she does all the food shopping. By the way, I, our wives are the managers of our houses. They decide what you can have for breakfast. Anyway, uh, she would go to the grocery store. Uh, we don't have Kroger's uh, down there in Florida, but we have Publix. And so I would go along with her and I'd push the cart. And uh, well, that's helping out, ain't it? So I would push the cart and she'd put the food in the basket. I would look at the price of the food in the basket. And then I'd look back on the shelf. And if I would see some cheaper cans on the shelf, Jim, I would put the ones in the basket and switch them back because I'm just trying to save money. What's wrong with that? But anyway, she didn't like that. So I, uh, so. So I, uh, I quit going to the store with her and pushing the basket. And uh, until one day, she let me do it. And if you can picture this, uh, I'm pushing the basket. And at the end of the shopping, she goes up and down the aisles to get the last stuff. She knows everything in the store. I suppose you women do go up and down. And I'm standing in the back with the, with the engine running on the car. I'm just sitting there and she's going up and down the aisle. And, uh, and, and as I'm standing there, I, I, uh, I looked over just about over where that, well, where you are, that, about that far. And I saw a big display of hams. 
And I thought, I'm going to go over there and get a ham, big old ham. And I'm going to bring it back to the car and put it in there and see what she does. <laughs> and so I went over to, uh, to the hams. I got myself a big, fat ham. And I got, went back, and I got halfway back and met somebody from the church. <laughs> That's why she didn't want me to go shopping with her. <laughs> but the point that I'm making is, I'm stingy, and she's generous. Now, I saw myself as economical, or you know what I mean, whatever it is. But I would, uh, my tendency is just stingy. I think, Jim, what I did during most of our marriage was to try to make her stingy like me. When God brought into my life a generous person so that I could learn how to be generous. Does that make sense to you? What have I said so far? Don't be so stingy. <laughs> okay, that's one. What's another one? That's right. Set her free. Now, that's no fun, fella, because our tendency is to try to run it. You know, it thinks, it thinks our thoughts and reflects it. But, but to set her free is a risk because she doesn't agree sometimes. <coughs> but, we, but God's brought into our lives somebody that will enrich our lives if we let it happen. Something else that I've said? What did you say? Make sure there's no church members when you go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I one, time was, one time went to the supermarket and I had slugs in the garden. You know, they eat the lettuce and whatever. So somebody said, if you put beer in the, there in the, uh, in the garden, they'll come in there and drown themselves. So my, my, my dilemma was buying that beer, like you say, in the, from the store. So I was so embarrassed. So I picked up that can of beer, and I've got to go through the checkout. I started apologizing all over the place. I started apologizing before I got there, and I just did it all the time. And the, and the, and the checkout lady was probably thinking, yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man, isn't that something? But when you get old like me, you're fearless. You're fearless. Oh, you know one advantage to being old is that everybody calls you honey, sweetheart, and sugar. That's something that would never happen to you. Where we become everybody's grandpa. You know one thing, here's a young man here. One thing I say about you, you know, you and me, when you see me, you think I was born old, really. When you see an old person, they've always been that way, right? How how long was how old was grandma? Was grandma do you remember her? Always old. Grandma was always old. 
But my folks weren't always old, and when I saw them getting old, I realized that I've got it too. But you know, son, that uh, we need each other. Uh, the, uh, you're energetic. You're smart and creative. But I've got something you don't have. Experience. We need each other. One of the things that I've noticed in our, in our culture and in our church, they've broken the youth off. We've never meant to be that way. I can remember when we used to eat together in a family. You remember that? Now, you, now everything's busted in pieces to separate. So you've got to, in fact, they talk about the youth, bring, you know, giving the church to the youth. Uh-uh. Bring them on board. Bring them on board. That's all, that, that's all we're talking about. In fact, I use youth as a, uh, as a comparison to a freeway. A freeway has an on-ramp and an off-ramp. This young man, he's on the on-ramp and I'm on the off-ramp. But we're all on the freeway. And we need each other. Now, it is true that we older people are not up with the time. But if you wonder what's happening in the future, in other words, we don't need prophets. We need, we need historians. Because sometimes, you know, young people will say, let's do this and see what happens. I said, no, we already know what happened. Anyway, I, I'm going to go on to something else. These are just chops. Are this confusing you? Is your marriage going to be better? Just pick out a couple of things. Just a couple of things. Now, now I want to say to the men or women who are here, don't think my husband needs that. Give him an elbow so they remember no, not my father or my mother, but what? It's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So I think that this is what we want to do. When the camp meeting's over, we go home and we pray that the Lord will make a spiritual implement it in our lives. Anyway, uh, here's another question. This is Ephesians 4.32. How long, by the way, would you last on the job if you talk to your boss like you talk to your wife? Are you with me on that? Probably three minutes. Why is it that we, that we on the job, we're nice? When we go home, something changes. The sound in our voices changes. I remember, young man, would you stand up? Come over here. You know, it's, this is a story. You'll probably just stand there and smile, smile. And anyway, there was a friend of mine who was uh, on Sabbath morning who was going to church, and. Uh, and you know the, uh, the cell phones? And I, I don't know what word they use about when you sit on the phone. There's a word for that. You sit on it, sit on your telephone. 
you can make a call and not know it. So anyway, apparently his buddy was uh, gave him one of those calls. So therefore, he began to hear what was going on in his buddy's car. And his buddy was, was a preacher. And so they could hear the preacher in his car. He wasn't swearing, but boy, they were shouting, shut your mouth and slap your face. Just quit that. Anyway, I, you know what I think happened? When that minister got to church, he said, happy Sabbath, brother. I'm so glad to see you here today. While in the car, they were just going at it. In other words, how long would we last if we treated our boss like we treat our family? I think that's critical. You know, with Ephesians 4, 6, would somebody read that for me? Ephesians 4, 6. I like that text. That's critical. In, in fact, I'm the kind of person, I'm a simple person. I want the Christian life to be practical. If you speak in Aramaic or, or what do you call it, the uh, papyri or something like that, so, so what? But if you're kind to your family, this camp meeting should, should come out of that. You go home and we're a different kind of person. Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 6. 432. 432. What, 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 here, 432. 432. Would you read that? You got it? 432. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't don't be mad at me because we're going to be fed here by other sermons. But you can be know everything about the Sunday law and the Catholic Church, and be as mean as sin. Isn't that right? Mean as sin. We've got to pray for victory over meanness. You don't have to fast and pray; just the Holy Spirit will do that for you. A person who is being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a mean person. Now, this doesn't mean that everything, in other words, I go to Betty and I never have a, we don't agree on everything. By the way, when I notice that Betty and I don't agree with each other, you see, what I would try to do instinctively, son, would try to persuade her that I'm right and she's wrong. Isn't that the way we do? So rather than to argue with her, I start talking about something else. Talk about the weather. Let it go. Most of, you know, marriage is this big, but only this much is important. And we, our lives are going upside down in our marriages. We're losing our marriages, not because of what's important, but the rest of this stuff. We've got to get past this. If we don't, son, if you're not married, but I, I, I'm off the subject and everything. Do you know your wife's out there today somewhere? You didn't think about that, did you? You know, I, uh, I was talking with a young lady, and she said, I was driving in the car one day, and I thought, my husband's out there someplace. She said, I think I'll say a prayer for him. Isn't that beautiful? 
Does that make sense to you? She's out there someplace. Say a prayer for her and her family. That would be good to do. But be kind. Talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I mentioned to you before, the Holy Spirit is being outpoured. It's being outpoured on many lives. And the question is, is it manifest in your life? And if it is manifested, then you and I are, are manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. And if we're not manifesting the fruit of the Spirit, then let's not talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense to you? No? no? It does. Be kind and loving. That's our goal. That's where we want to go. And they have all kinds of wonderful this or that, but I'm too dumb for that kind of stuff. If you ask me to discuss some of these deep Theological things, I can't do it. I'm too dumb. But I do search to be kind. I want my words to be the kind of words that Jesus would say. But that's not easy. This is what we mean when we say be in contact with Jesus. We want the mind of Christ. Okay, what have I said so far? We want the mind of Christ. And what would that be like? Well, don't just, you know what she reminds me of? She reminds me of the, I was in a Sabbath school one time. And I said, uh, it's hard to live the Christian life. Uh, you know, what does that mean, to live the Christian life? And I raised his hand and he said, to be like Jesus. I said, all right, come on now. He said, to reflect his image. I said, come on now, tell me. He said, to get along with my grandson. You see what he's doing? Bring it down, bring it down. Because many times when we come to church, we do church talk. We say, isn't that true? We use, but the trouble is nobody knows what we're saying. So some way, and we're not talking about how to be sexy at 75. You know, or take your kid out to a whatever, but to be kind to your child, to when you get to be 75, set them free to be who they were meant to be. Anybody else have to say anything? It's about finished. Treat your family better than you treat your boss. Yeah, treat your family better than you treat, which will result. Treat your family better than you treat your boss. Yes, that's right. Yes. Before you encourage comfort. Yeah, before you encourage comfort. You know, have you noticed, uh, and I make this up, supposing your grandson or granddaughter is coming down the, the uh, carrying something anyway, something, some liquid, and you say, watch out, you're going to drop that. And he says, I'm going to whip. They drop it, and the tendency is to say, I told you to be careful. Why not get down and help them clean it up first? But you see, we even do this in, in raising our children. We don't get down to business until we get mad. And then when we do that, we get madder. I noticed in my own, uh, in my own life, 
that my, I was more a referee than a coach. You catch that? A referee is trying to tag him out. A coach is trying to see them around. I want to be that kind of person, somebody that's coaching you as a minister of the gospel in my life and my family, is to be an encourager. Well, they made mistakes. They ought not to do that. Well, now it's not the time to unload on them. The time to talk about serious things is often not when they're happening. It's after they've happened. <coughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful that uh, our parents, that you used them to create us and bring us into the world. Lord, we, we're thankful that you've given us these years, that your hand's been over us. And Father, as darkness covers the earth and close darkness of people, we pray that you'll be a light, that your word will be a light into our path, to our, and, uh, to our the road in which we walk. Bless every family here, Lord. Open our eyes. Help us to be kind. Fill us with the fruit of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.